Okay. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome to the dumbest bitch alive show. I'm Rachel, and I'm the dumbest bitch alive. Let me explain. That happened. So, it's not enough. It's not enough that I am going to Pensacon in Florida, and that I will have to look at Nick Zano's fucking face a second time. It's that instead of it's that I am going to Florida, to Pensacon, to see Nick Zano's fucking dead eyes a second time instead of fishing with Tom mother fucking Nook. I'm knew sorry. I knew Pensacon was really at the same time as Paxi's. And I said, well, I, I want to see my friend. And I do. And I do. And I love her. And I'm just being dramatic. And I'm sure I'll have a great time. But then Animal Crossing is like, hey, we're here at Pax East and we did a whole setup. What? You're a better you're a better person than me. I, I don't I, I think I would have been mad. When I see Nick Zeno, I'm going to physically kill him. <laughs> so, well, I mean, here's the thing is like for me it's different because I can't stand like I like you're neutral on it. I genuinely am just like, unless I'm doing press, don't talk to me. Um, I hate this. This is such a weird social this is like it just it's so it's such a weird social interaction on every single level so i and i hate it um so i would be like i'm sorry i'm subjecting myself to untold anxiety instead of going to the fucking animal crossing booth at nintendo but also like in your defense how in god's name were you supposed to anticipate the animal crossing booth at the nintendo booth like they haven't been at pax in years not like this no they have they have been but it's been been for other stuff I, and then and then to and then to to just alley oop my fucking self, I forgot the I needed to get more fabric for Zari's top, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot to put it in my bag before I went to work this morning. But I of course did not have time to come back and get it. So I was like, let me just pick the fabric that I think is the closest based on the feeling of it. And guess what happened. Picked the wrong fucking out. color, which I am also blaming Nick Zano for personally. I think at this point that's 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 kind of fair, um, more than fair. The theme of this weekend is Nick Zano physically fight me. Zano keeps just ruining things. Um, I also well, see, you know, he doesn't he doesn't actually have dead eyes. I've just been listening to a lot of the Magnus archives. Very very good. Um, well, see, my fundamental my thing also is. He just keeps fucking doing this where he keeps inconveniencing us regarding video game stuff specifically. Nintendo like, Why stuff, does- double specifically. Yeah, where I'm like, why the fuck are you- what, 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 why is this happening? What has Miyamoto-san done to you? Um, Miyamoto hasn't, doesn't really work on Pokemon, but fair enough. I understand. Who's I in understand charge of in Nintendo? General. Uh, why does Nick- Junichi Masuda was the director for a long time. Shigeru Omori has kind of taken over. James Turner was the art director for the latest generation because they literally took the one white guy in their office and went, hey, you're from England, right? Can you can you show us an England thing? And they're, he's like, I guess. And then they made a game based Cheerio, off of it. a cup of tea. And they I did. Mean, yeah. And there's a cup of tea in there. Like, it's kind of interesting to me how little of, like, in terms of region... You know, Galar does kind of look like England. That's fine. That's great. I actually also appreciate that they didn't do the, I think that some other companies might have done the cop out and made everybody white. 
But what drives me insane from like a monster design perspective is there's not a lot of a lot of you there are so many mythological animals like Britain, like the, the you know, the whole there's so many fucking English mythological animals that you could you could have cribbed from, and then they did none of that. And then like they didn't even like we got a unicorn, and so I'm thinking Galarian Rapidash is gonna look like like the emblem unicorn, like like the traditional unicorn. And then they went, no, fuck you. And it's like, okay, we're we gonna are we gonna get are we gonna get like a, a drag like a dragon dragon like a hill worm anything? And they're like, no. And I was like. Are we gonna get a, a kelpie, a fuka, anything? And they're like, kill yourself. Um, and it's and do you like, know whose fault that is? It's the fault. Of the, it's the it's fault. Nick Zano's of the, fault. Yes, it's Nick Zano's fault. It's also the fault of the of capitalism. Basically, I did a whole fucking thread on how like this. This ugh, I don't. This isn't. This isn't. This isn't my 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 podcast where I talk about how Pokemon needs to stop, Game Freak needs to stop being asked to churn out a game every year because it's really bad for their creative output. Um, we don't have time for that. Um, I would like to open this episode of Legends in Review formally with a segment that I like to call uh, did you sort of like the thing that Legends of Tomorrow attempted to do in this episode or do a full scale reference of? Here's an anime that does a better version of that. Um, I don't know if they reference John Woo's. How is this? Specifically I can't believe this is an, an ongoing bit. It's really weird that it keeps happening, but I, I, and it's not like I don't know why. I guess I, I feel like their references have become more oblique and blatant, and like less just. Yes, I also understand that the '80s was a time in pop culture phenomena. Phil, like I get it. The '80s were a decade. They happened. Like, so they've been getting more specific with genre stuff, so that means I can be like, yeah. oh, here's something else that does that. Um, I don't know if they mentioned John Woo by name. They do mention Bruce Lee, but, like, there's an anime called Black Lee. No, 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 hold on. My cat is, my cat is walking on my computer. Why? Why? Hi. Do you have to do this? Like, I mean, just, like, full-on sitting on my fucking computer like an asshole. Please move. Please, no, don't move. Don't get comfortable. Please move. He's just sitting on it. I can't stand him. Hold on. No, please. It's actually Legends of. It's actually Legends of Tomorrow writer. Okay. Help! Okay, so he's just move him. No, I can't. I also here's the thing: is I'm sitting on my bed, and the reason that I'm not sitting at my desk is because he, up until about five seconds ago, was sleeping on the pillow on my chair. So I was like, "Well, I'll let him have the chair. I'll record in my bed." Could you fucking get off? So I'm thinking, I'll be, you know, I'll just come and record over here. And then he was like, "Oh, I want to be over here where you are right now, this second, or I will die." And now he keeps trying to rub his face in the microphone. So I can't remember. Ow, God, you're clawing my butt, please. Jesus Christ. Why are you? Oh, fuck. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Take a pause because I have to put on a wrap for Richard. I want to try to feed him before I leave because he hasn't eaten in a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Could you please get your paw off my fucking keyboard? (laughs) Stop it. I hate you. I put I took the keyboard off. I took his paw off the keyboard and he just turns back and looks at me and then puts his paw right back on it because he's an asshole. <laughs> okay. 
So now he just has now he just has to fall on the trackpad. I I don't I've I'm you know this I'm gonna consider we're at a stalemate. Um, I literally completely forgot what the fuck I was talking about. So an anime that's a really good like the John Woo aesthetic is different than the Bruce Lee aesthetic. They were just sort of throwing darts at a dartboard labeled like kung fu esque references. But um, there's an anime series called Black Lagoon that I would highly recommend because it's like. What if an action film, but like 95% of the main cast were women and most of them were villains and most of them are very hot. Um, I have to give this with some caveats, though, because it's very... That sounds gay. It's very good. It's very gay. Um, There's... I have a really Just give me two seconds while I put this rat in hot water. Yeah, hold on. Would you... I okay, yes, I get it. It's also your laptop. It smells like you. Please stop stepping on the fucking keyboard. All I ask. I just I wish laptops sh- should come with like either like a thing you can put over your keyboard so your cat can sit on it and pretend like he's interrupting your work or an option to turn my keys off like so that way he can just so that he can stop. They used to have it called the numb lock. Thought that was just okay, maybe. I should probably do that. It's it's Wait, it's hold on there. No, I don't think- put the fucking cups. God, what did he do? Fucking on the shelf above the sink where I can't reach shit. Black Lagoon is a great anime, but I also have to kind of put some caveats in because I know that for some reason, like teenagers listen to this. Um, and no disrespect, but it's definitely. I mean, I also started reading it when I was a teenager, but I was an incredibly unsupervised child. So don't be me. But it's a really good manga. As the many concerning anecdotes will tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's too many. Too many to list. Um, it's really good as a manga. I've never watched the anime, so I can't. I can't speak to that. Um, but it's really violent. Obviously, it's it's a, like set in the seventies. Hold on, I think the fucking in, rat just um, fell over. Why? And 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 you know, I'm on the fucking bro. floor, so I can. Um. Yeah, that's not right. Um, my fucking costume because I have to repin everything. I mean, thankfully, I have most of the pieces done, and it's just a matter of pinning them and then cutting them all out and putting them together. Yeah, right now, actually. What time is your plane? 11 tomorrow? 11 in the morning? Yeah. That's not terrible. I was worried you. I mean, yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, I thought you were going to be gone for like, I thought I assumed you were leaving like tonight or middle of the morning. Um, oh yeah, no, it's a much later flight, thank God. Pleasant. Um, fuck, let me try that. Right, okay, so it's very good. It's very violent. Um, just you know, a lot of a lot of guns and <sighs> drugs and violence and all all the fun stuff that we couldn't have on Legends because they don't really get to do that on basic cable. But there's an arc CW that I would recommend. Big fat so the CW is a bunch of fucking cowards. But there's an arc I would recommend skipping. Um, and they're like labeled, like you you'll you'll be able like it it the chapters will start will start telling you when it's like this is this arc, this is this, so you'll know. Uh just don't read the Hansel and Gretel arc. It's really fucking bleak. Um I don't sounds, things that come from Hansel and Gretel never end well. It's 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 I don't even feel comfortable describing the details because it's like if you're not gonna watch it, I don't wanna like blindside you with like, here's this horrible traumatic thing I'm gonna discuss. But it it involves children 
doing horrible things because of horrible things that have been done to them um, of all kinds and all natures. And so I would recommend avoiding it because it's one of those ones where like the rest of the, the manga is really good, albeit kind of grim and cynical and violent and blood soaked. But like, if you, you know, going in that that's fine. And they're all like adults making shit. Sexy women. But it's worse when it's like a child doing it, obviously. So I would recommend just skipping that arc completely. It's not the kind of narrative where it will really hurt you much if you avoid that. Most of the arcs are pretty self-contained. Um, this is my murder child, and she drove me here. It, it, it there, yeah, it's not, it's not even, like, lighthearted, funny. Like, there's nothing. It's genuinely oh, just. Okay. All right, we're going to put jokes ugh. away for that one. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I, like I said, I don't want to describe it. But the fact, because again, I don't want to like upset anyone just, but if I'm not describing it, because I think the description of the arc summary alone is enough to upset people, you know, yeah, yeah. stay away, <laughs> take, take, take a hint. So other than that, and again, you can easily avoid that. I really would recommend the rest of it. Um, I also want to, it's not, they don't do it in a way where I think it's like disres disrespectful or like, or just terrible, or it would make me not recommend the manga, but it's just dark and bleak and like if you're not into that avoid it um the rest of the manga is sort of more action film kind of grim um and really good um so if you liked that one fight scene that they did at the start of this episode and would like to see more of that but better and sometimes the women have made dresses and also like rocket launchers and are ex-columbian mercenaries that was actually how i learned about like uh uh fucking the farc like that was my first i was like oh that and then like i heard people talking about it because a couple i think last year they signed like the peace treaty after like 30 years and i was like hey not this like a fucking weed but that's that thing from black lagoon <laughs> fuck um oh, so hold uh, on sorry the weed police are they're at my door i mean like i knew it was obviously because i am i try to be conscientious of these things i went and did some research on like you know, I wanted to know what the fuck it was outside of this thing I saw in an anime. But, um, yeah, that was kind of an interesting, like, huh. But, uh, no, super good. Super fun. Um, highly recommend. Um, but this episode is sort of the exact opposite of that in tone. But I think it was a good thing. Okay, we were so really worried about the same thing. racist. It was Legends of Tomorrow Writer Room Appreciation, and while I would love to contribute to the hashtag, I don't want them no. to perceive me as a person. No, and so yeah, you guys don't. I, I'm like, listen, it's genuinely one of those things where I, you know, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, and maybe it's just because of the fandom generation I grew up in. But I'm like, I don't want creators to see any of the work I make about their content ever. I talk a big fucking game about, like, there's a couple of creators who I would probably steal chair on site, but that's, like, because I find them representative. The chances of us thing. actually getting that close to Jeff Loeb are very low. Thinking Garth Ennis, but, like, yeah. Um, who I... That's... that's but like, my, my point being, um... Every time you say Garth Ennis, I just picture... Do you remember... It's like on YouTube, it's this parody series of some guy who writes like novels that are supposed to be supernatural and they take place in a hospital. Dark Place? Garth Marenghi's Dark, Pla Dark Place? Dark Place. 
Yes. Every time oh, you say Garth Ennis, I just picture I just I picture Garth Ennis. That's that's who that I is think. actually a really good series yes. though. Cannot stress that enough. Um, that's a good one. That's a fun one. Um, no, I mean it's one of those things oh. where it's like I don't want content creators to see the content I make about their work. I don't want them to see the criticisms. I don't want them to see the criticisms I make of their work. Not because I think that my criticisms are like wrong. I know they're not. And I know that I'm right, but I also understand that that's not criticism is, and this is someone speaking, you know, speaking as someone who creates content, but is also like a con, like a content critic. I hate the word content, but like I make shit, but also I critique other people's shit that they make. And it's like, I don't, I don't think it's like, you don't need to, you know, I'm, listen, I'm out here writing like 20 fucking tweet threads about why I think this thing and this was bad or, but I'm not like adding the, the, the fucking writers or anything like that. Because like, at the end of the day, that's not who the critique is for. The critique is so that people who are also participating in the show or the book or the whatever can approach it with a new lens of consciousness. You know, you're not you're not necessarily and this is just something i think is true of a lot or or should be sort of true for a lot of critique you're not necessarily telling the director or whatever or whoever made it or worked on it what you didn't like about it but more like giving other people who might engage with it or might want to engage with it another lens to look at it through that's why there's so many different schools of criticism that's why it's you know, if there weren't a tons of different ways to critique something and tons of different le- lenses through which to read and interpret and critique a work, you would have like one film reviewer for every newspaper and then that would be the end of it. You wouldn't need anything else. So I don't need artists. That's why I put. To see. So In I mean, fairness, I appreciate I love how you're saying all that. But I love how you're like, if there's then, only one kind of critique, we would only have one kind of film reviewer. And you're absolutely correct. But like, all fucking men who talk about comics, TM, 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 sound exactly like what you say. No. Which is probably... They're mostly just summarizing, and this is coming from somebody who gets emotional and heated about the stuff I watch all the time. They're mostly just sort of... A lot of male critics don't think about the context of the work, or they don't really think about any kinds of critical lens outside of like their own personal thoughts and feelings or their agenda, or their own personal experiences. It's a very self-centered and uninteresting kind of critique, because it's, when I say critique, I mean, that's, there's some, you can do, you know, you can do a, you know, a racial critique of something. You can talk about how a certain thing talks about race relations, or race, and how people see race or interpret race. You can talk about how you can talk about it through a queer perspective, um, a feminist perspective, a, a Marxist perspective. I had a ton of, and, and, and I'm gonna, I can, you know, already, my college professors were always like, when we say Marxist, we just mean analyzing power structures. We don't mean like literal Karl Marx, but they're cowards. Like, yeah, you can totally do it like Karl Marx style too. But like, you can analyze films, like what they're saying about class, what they're saying about race, what they're saying about the, like, and the thing is, is a good film can be interpreted through multiple lenses and all of those lenses can have something new to say that isn't necessarily like a dig on the work but tell the work and what its story could be about from like a different perspective and there's not a lot of different lenses for outraged white man like i saw someone talk like talking about like um which i thought was interesting where they were like this new genre it's not new it's been around for like 
I would say five past five years, maybe a little more um, mm-hmm. of like, the you know, the white guy on YouTube who gets mad about a movie before it's even out. And then like, even if it is out, like doesn't watch it sort of just gets angry about the fact that it exists. Um, and critiquing those people is kind of a fascinating exercise, but it's very much a grift because the people who are watching, you know, what the estuaries did wrong with birds of prey, weird thumbnail clickbait, like anime titties in the sidebar or like Harley Quinn hentai. Um, oh God, that was a cursed fucking, f- oh God. Ugh, my tongue just rotted out of my mouth. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for just fucking. <laughs> Jesus. But like people who do that, they're not, they're not making it for people who are watching Birds of Prey. No one, I think, who went and saw Birds of Prey is going to be watching a fi- like a, a, a YouTube vid with that title and at like a two-hour fucking runtime. It's for people who don't want to see Birds of Prey, but want to be angry that Birds of Prey exists and don't understand why it isn't made for them and aren't really interested in interpreting it or the place it's positioned in within the larger culture of superhero films action films and male cities of the like they don't they don't have anything to say about it other than i don't like that it exists i think i think movies should be about me and what i want to see specifically all the time forever and that's boring and that's not really critique um so we don't do well, that here like, like, here's what's really dumb, interesting but we don't is do i i did that i made a post i think about how like okay clearly Bayrod and Charlie are going to be uh, fucking because some male critic was like, people aren't going to like their relationship. And like clockwork, I was right because men are, if nothing, predictable. And a superstitious and male clockwork. comic fans are a superstitious and cowardly lot, etc., etc. Quite literally. And and I got this ask. I don't even. I don't know if I kept it or not. I don't think I did. But it was just like, well, this guy has bad takes, but there are other male critics who really like the show. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I could not. I so could not them. Like, Honestly, genuinely, um, like, it's so good for them. But it's kind of a thing where it's like male critics have the most problems about doing this not to say that female critics are like impervious from having bad takes i will say though that when female critics have bad takes they tend to get harassed into killing themselves um that's so true it's not really except a in this case with though. legends of tomorrow when they're talking about anything that isn't their um white gaze but we'll talk about that a little later in the episode let's go in this we'll, was the we'll uh well this is the fifth episode of the fourth season did we come up with a title oh shit no Fuck. No, we didn't. We didn't. Um, oh I, my like, god, yes we did. It was boy that Genghis Khan had some pretty good ideas. Yes, but also that's kind of, do the windy thing, but like then also like that's only funny to me and no one else. Um yeah, that's fair. I think yeah. The boy that Genghis so Khan. this episode was, that's a bit was of a mouthful, boy that Genghis but, uh, Khan had some pretty great ideas. Which is of course lifted. That or, oh no 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 from, hold on, hold on. The Queen Queen Elizabeth puts out a hit on hit on Bonnie Prince Charlie. No, we gotta figure out a better way to rephrase that. I mean, I was also just thinking of this episode called Why Did We Not Let Genghis Khan Just Kill Prince Charles? Elizabeth's voice why I mean, okay, so here's this episode is great because this but I mean it was it's, a true it's, return to form. And it can was I genuinely can I guess, like I, this is what I have missed the first four episodes of the season. I am so glad. I mean, and also because 
was it racist? Of why are you asking me that hypothetical listener? Yeah, you know it was, it was racist. It, tomorrow. It was not as racist as it could have been, although not I as think racist as thing, it could have been, but it, it got pretty thing, close. Only Genghis Khan had that weird sort of like Sean Yu fucking accent, but I think that may have been some dipshit's idea of like, well, he's like he's like a 1700 years ago so he's gonna speak like ancient and archaic-y and i'm just like you don't have to do that please don't do that because no one else had that no other no other no one else had that accent it was just him um it was a little weird where i was like uh uh you didn't have to i get that they wanted to make him sound older but like you could have done that without making him do an accent like he could have just had like a Please. Well, that but, I mean, there was a lot you know, of kind of sexism towards Asian women in this episode. Where oh it was God, like, there's literally my live tweet thread literally is that fucking bit from Harkavig. The sexism is over strong female characters bit. It was, it was ugly in a way that like one. I mean, especially. The, and can I just say, especially yeah, because Sorry. Katie was direct. Because what? It was especially ugly because. And this isn't really so much on Katie because I know she didn't pick the role herself and I know that she didn't really have a lot of responsibility for this, but as a choice made by everybody involved, having those sort of cops show up and be badass and then immediately, like, die when Katie was directing the episode after all the criticism of her taking the white canary mantle was a really, really bad look. Optics. The optics, guys. The optics, like, Michael. It was genuine. And, like, here's the thing is, I don't think Katie ever saw any of that criticism about her taking the White Canary title for it. I'm yeah, not, I don't think like, Katie is aware of things that I don't think she happened. did it maliciously and that she saw that criticism and went, I'll show them, and had a bunch of Asian women get murdered on screen. Like, no. Doesn't work like that. But this is where death of the author comes in, and we just have to analyze the work as it's being presented to us. And when we do that, and we say, huh, kind of weird that a white woman who's like low-key infamous in the context of this show for having stolen her superhero title from an Asian woman finally introduces Asian women only for them to get horribly murdered, like for no reason and that didn't have to happen. I also mentioned this is an episode where you really feel like, hey, Mona is Chinese. She literally spoke Mandarin with her parents. If the show had not also gotten rid of her, perhaps this act of pretty blatant sexism and racism would not have hit as hard because you'd be, but you did get rid of Mona. Mona. And so, and so it's like, Oh, you are a, you're hateful. So, but it's all things that like, yes, I think this was pretty racist. Let's move on because this is not something that Ari and I really should be. I don't don't want to move on it. I don't feel comfortable. Um, Yeah. There has been a lot of like I I want to talk about Charlie. Because, I mean, do we want to start talking about Charlie this this early in the? Oh wow, I haven't. I, it's okay. So we've been recording for longer than fair, I thought. To be fair, she's kind of like that stuff all does happen fairly early in the episode. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we find Charlie and she comes episode. back, and she and Bayrod kind of look at each other and they're like. And I oop. And then she and Zari meet. And I can just, I just want to say, as someone who loves Maisie and Tala's chemistry on screen, like, I think Zari not liking Charlie last season when she first met her, it made perfect sense. It sort of needed to happen. And I understand why it happened. But them sort of 
meeting each other with no pretense of knowing who the other is and immediately getting along was so satisfying for me. It, it was, and it's a trope I really like that you don't always get to see happen because a lot of things have to happen for it to come into effect. But that thing of these two people who hated each other when they first met because of circumstances out of their control meet each other when all of that is wiped clean and they're just meeting each other as like themselves and then they actually get along super great. Love that shit. And first of all, I want to mention when Elizabeth Warren is president, <laughs> uh, Charlie will legally be allowed to date both siblings. That is a promise. Hey, 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 let's not, let's not, under socialism, Bernie Sanders says we get two boyfriends. Okay. What you do with them is up to you. Bernie Sanders actively says that the Tarazi siblings can share, um, can share romantic partners so long as it is not at the same time, because that's weird. That's a direct quote from Bernie himself. Not at the same time. That's weird. Um, Pete Buttigieg said, "Ew, LGBT relationships on TV." Talk about like speaking like there's and this is just this is just me, but like there was like a point that he made it like I don't know if it's I don't give a fuck. The, the, the horrible little rat man said something where he was like, "If the CIA made a pill that made me stop being gay, I would have taken it." And like out of I out of context, it sounds bad. I understand that in the context he's talking about like how he used to feel but also when he said that they cut away to his husband who also looks frighteningly like Waylon Smithers I mean like not even as like a funny oh, no. joke, but he has glasses I really that's really really silly. truly fucking hate that's, it we're like that's I want extremely upsetting I go, think on every level and also I just want to say Pete Buttigieg is literally I just saw this meme somebody did it with uh King of the Hill and it's just you know at like gay lgbt like cops and cia people, and people yeah. like people to jake you're not making bootlicking any easier you're just making being gay worse and like that is and that is fundamentally i everything i hate about his candidacy listen id paul is useless he's not right. even remotely on the level of harvey um that being said yeah his wayland smithers ass looking husband is just like sitting there horrified in the audience and i felt bad for him but I also that I mean, was the only emotion I, I would feel I hate, for him. At that I, time. I cannot. I hate that rat-faced little fuck because I know he would not feel even an iota of empathy or sympathy for me because he is one of those kind of rich white gays that is so desperate to assimilate. They will fucking. He would like. I, I mean, just he would. He would personally punch James Baldwin in the face to get anything. Like he you just, think he's, he's one of those. W. Bush was bad. So it's that I. But but there is a sympathy I felt where he's, you know, you're like, I think a lot of gay people have that thing where they're like, I wish I wouldn't, like, I, I, I didn't. Um, I think I just didn't really know any better. Um, we, we can all, we can also cut all this. This has nothing to do with anything. But I wanted to tell you about that because, like, it was so fucking wild to me. This Sorry. is just funny. So um, I think we'll keep right. it in. But, but yeah. so, like, let's talk Fair about enough. Charlie. Now, now, a lot of people, yeah. um, a lot of people, I mean, I don't really... I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, and so I'm going to try not to. But it is so hard to explain, like, not every bit of content that, and I'm going to use the word queer here. I know how you and I both feel about the word queer, and I think, and I agree with you, but I also just want to mention that Maisie think- uses it as an identifier for herself and for Charlie, and that's why we're using it here specifically. 
I also just use it unless I have another. Like, I think at this point, I'm assuming if you're listening to it at this point and haven't. Yeah, you know we use queer. Yeah. But continue. So. Charlie as a queer character doesn't stop being queer because she hooked up with Bayrod. First, and and she doesn't stop being non-binary or genderqueer because Maisie plays her. And being like, well, she didn't immediately hook up with Zari or they're putting her with a man. And so that scene we got of her clearly presenting as male, having hooked up with two people presenting as different genders doesn't actually mean anything. And the only LGBT characters are still Ava and John and Gary and Sarah and Charlie isn't representation enough and they're not doing enough with her is actively homophobic against Maisie. And it makes me so angry. And that that kind of criticism comes from a very specific kind of being up your own asshole. Like, and I don't really, I know, I know it's interesting because one of my friends um, went off on this and she never goes off about anything. And our mutual friend messaged me and she's like, what is going on? She got really mad about this. And I love the implication that she was like, you get mad at everything, but her, which is fair. I mean, listen, and I mean, to be fair. We both do, so I, I get it. But I am like, I mean, it. Gen- I didn't realize that we were getting to that level of Jake where Charlie isn't rep. And no, that infuriates me. Genuinely, truly makes me angry because like, it's like, and I, I, just I, I always, yeah. that rock and roll bit, I didn't make him for you. Charlie's not rep for you. That's fine, but you can't call her bad rep or not enough Charlie rep. is Fuck you. a direct labor of Maisie. And what Maisie is doing. And Maisie on screen as Charlie. And honestly, even as a Maya, Maisie or Wentworth or Victor Garber on screen coming into your home every week as an LGBT actor is more impactful than anything that a gay for pay actor is going to do. I don't hate Ava Lance. I actually really enjoy it. I don't hate Constant Green. I'm kind of indifferent to it. But that's the truth. I kind of forget and, it's an object purpose thing. I kind of forget about it now that they've sort of seemed to drop it. If they end up making it canon, cool. But I will forget about it if they're not actively reminding me about I mean, it. John kissed, John kissed Gary again this week, which is great. But this is also the week where he was like, well, before I die, I need to know, Ray, are you circumcised or uncircumcised? And I was like, this feels extremely personal um, towards me. And I want to know what the yeah, fuck that... is. <laughs> I like to be excluded from this narrative, one that I have directly involved myself in. But I'm regretting doing so now. Eventually. Yeah, it's like, listen, I understand I put myself here, but can 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 someone put me back in the Kubrick instead? I need to I go back. Go, I want to go back. I want to go back. And, go back and so it's just one of those things where, like, honestly, Charlie and Bayrod, well, first of all, queer baiting is a very specific thing that Legends does not do. Queer coding is another very specific thing that Legends engages in a lot. And that Maisie and Tala have said they have engaged in. And what queer coding is, is for example, I'm going to use the flash here, actually. Um, Danielle Panbaker really wanted to be the lead in season one. And so she was trying to play Caitlin with a huge crush on Barry. And you can see from the way Grant Gustin plays it that he was not having it at all. But you can see with the way that he and Carlos Valdez clearly play their relationship 
that they were really going for something kind of deeper there. And that is coding. Baiting is what um, Beth Schwartz did right now with Green Arrow and the Canaries, where she's like, I don't know if uh, Dinah and Laurel will get together. If we get picked up, we'll find out. And I'm like, wow, I've never been femme slash queer baited before. This is so exciting. But queer baiting as a thing is the idea that like, oh, well, if you, Jeff Davis, for example, with Teen Wolf. Baiting, queer baiting is when they do a whole thing in Marvel comics in the early 2000s called Civil War. And then near the end of it, they're like, actually, in an alternate universe where Tony was born as a woman, Tony and Steve got married and that ended Civil War. And I go, Brian Michael Bendis, I'm going to drive to your fucking house and I'm going to release a box of wasps and we're going to see what happens. Fuck around and find out. Go. That and Destiel, the entirety of Destiel from like 2012 to 2016. It essentially is, it's the creators of a show saying, well, if you act like, if you guys do what we want, or you get us this, or you keep watching, maybe we'll do it. That's queer baiting. It's queer very... coding is last season before Charlie was sort of confirmed, confirmed as Pan, how she obviously flirted with Zari. Oh, sorry. Queer baiting is something that, like, it's, I mean, I made that pithy thing about Steve and Tony, but it is genuinely, like, you can't have I would have queer baiting and queer coding are not the same thing. I yeah. see a lot of people talking about them like they're effectively the same concept, but, like, coding is just a way, like, coding is not inherently negative. It can be, coding but it's is not. So inherent hate media. Coding is queer coding is so inherent to Kate media that it is kind of shocking that more people don't seem to recognize that. And again, and like queer baiting is also not like, well, I think this character should do this or the whole fandom headcanons it like this. So why isn't it like this? That also unfortunately does not count. And like, for example, when Charlie was very obviously flirting with Zari. That wasn't baiting or coding. That was literally Charlie being queer. That's the thing is it's like, it's not coding when they're like expressly, like it's like she doesn't have a current love interest. Like she's like got feelings for Bayrod, but like she doesn't have like a current same gender love interest, but that doesn't mean that she isn't pan or queer. Like it's like we have gotten about explicit confirmation from both her actress and in the show where it's like no she hasn't gotten a fucking goodyear blimp that says i fuck same in different genders however um we see like we see her in the aftermath of sleeping with like i just it's like you can't you don't get more explicit than that like it just it doesn't it's very explicit we have now and 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 i think it's extremely fair to criticize legends on like the fact that, yeah, some of Good their pet relationships seem forced. I'm not always crazy about Nate and Zari. Um, Charlie and Bayrod grew on me almost instantly, also because it is technically vindication that, like, huh, I guess if Zari had been there at the end of Hayworld, she and Charlie would have fucked. That's what I'm taking from this. Thank you, Phil. I mean, this, it does very much feel yeah, like... I want to do a whole thing about that, because that whole conversation was like, huh. And that, again, that's the thing. It is does, that's coding. Yeah. That's and you are absolutely welcome to criticize legends and the choices it makes because yeah, I think that Charlie, we criticize it all the time, especially on queer right now. 
but it's it's so willfully ignorant and self-centered and racist as fuck especially when you're someone who clearly capes for like katie and jess who don't give two fucks about your gay ass they don't like as long as you keep watching um like the actors will keep doing it because actors like attention that's why they're actors but you know a job is a job my friend and Charlie, as her own character, is a lot more important than sort of regular, cis, extremely, like, settled white people just being assimilated. Like, there's such a specific element, and because Maisie is gay, there is such a specific element of liberation, not assimilation, to Charlie that matters. And that makes me very angry when people willfully ignore it because they only care about ships being canon. I mean, this is kind of a thing where it's like, this is a weird portion of queer fandom discourse that has existed for as long as I've been in fandom and presumably longer. You know, obviously I don't claim that fandom started when I joined, but there's always been that kind of, there's always been that let my what? I I was going to say, I believe fandom started with, you were in charge of the largest Pokemon forum on uh, fanfiction.net. God, don't do this to me. Not not the day after Pokemon Day. You can't do that. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, that sort of, and I think, I think even like some people who remember like, you know, like the let my gays marry shit on like Tumblr before they legalized gay marriage um, in America, which is like the least of our fucking problems, but Oh god, I don't have time for this. Um it's whose dog is that? Not ours. I mean we have a Rottweiler. That's so, we so wild that. because he sounds he sounds so much like he sounded so much like Bo for a second where I was like, how the fuck? And then and then it's just very concerning to me because it's this an enormous Rottweiler. And Bo is a tiny stupid no, Jack. Not our dog. I, I... <laughs> oh god. No. Um I think I think the people across the people who are like adjacent to us have like a yappy dog um yeah it's a yappy the- dog bark yes the the let my gaze let marry my gaze marry of, that kind of i don't know how like that kind of thing where it was like i want Go i think sexual should be a thing because i want my ship to be canon and it's like i hate you um and even when gay people do this i'm like this is a really reductive way to think about queer representation and queer liberation it doesn't work like that i mean i understand wanting is to liberation a foreign concept are we are we fucking we're in ha- i mean listen listen sylvia, sylvia fucking i feel like if you Rivera was super core and you love how if you like white gays need to get out like lose her but it is such a pinnacle of like white the white gay on a show with like a canonical trans woman yeah like played by a trans actress but like that's not the only i i the only and like please you have no idea how furious i am that supergirl which is the worst fucking show gets that and like legends doesn't um i mean we have charlie but like i Char- maybe really it's not a Charlie's we don't know how Maisie identifies but she's comfortable she in interviews has used the term woman woman 
very frequently. So yeah, we're going to say gonna... that's what she says. Yes. But it is that thing where it's like, I also don't think that trans, like trans characters shouldn't be like, it's the thing where it's like, I, I don't please. I literally, I don't have time for this. Overwhelming, I don't, my, not my Michael, topic the, or, the overwhelming time but, pressure. No, just because I would be another 45 minutes and we haven't even really reviewed anything that happened in the episode. But like, it is a thing where it's like, I'm putting aside trans stuff for now, just because, again, this is a topic that I have a lot of thoughts on. We don't have all day. Um, I am kind of like, listen, it's not your ship being canon isn't the end all be all in terms of representation. Although I will say that it can still be bad rap to get things or characters explicitly confirmed as gay and to write them like sexlessly or to have their first love interest get killed off within like two pages and they never get another one and then they die victoria hand um in the comics the show didn't or even bother if you're voltron there's i was thinking voltron but they do that with Victor- it's not it is it is depressingly common so i understand people being upset about that charlie isn't that like we see her having sexual attraction to same and different genders repeatedly she's not sexless she's not you know like her 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 there's never a point where her gender identity or her sexual identity are being ignored or misunderstood is purring coming through on the audio no it isn't oh damn it i thought that'd be cute um in any case it is that thing where it's like oh fuck i forgot to actually plug my computer in i came all the way over here to do that um I understand people wanting to be cautious and I understand people being like, well, how do we know they're really going to make her like, but like they already have, we've already gotten as about as explicit as it gets confirmation that she's not straight and she's not cis anything else. Like when you guys ask for more, you kind of show your ass in terms of how you understand poorly. You understand like queer rep and how it works. I would love to see Charlie end up with another I listen, I'd love to see Charlie end up with Zari. If we can't get that, I think it's very interesting that the show is like, and we're gonna have Zari's twin brother who we made up uh date Charlie instead. It's like that fucking bit in Twin Peaks in the second season where they like gave Audrey a love interest that was just down down with a fucking plane. Because David like a fucking comic Lachlan was like, I don't I don't want to, I don't want to fucking, I don't want to have sex with Audrey Horn and David Lynch lighting eight cigarettes at once, just going, coward. Coward. So, coward. It's kind coward. Of a, I was David Lynch in this scene. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, was a legal adult, so it wasn't like weird. It was just like, you know, Kyle McLaughlin, Kyle McLaughlin wussed out. But Kyle McLaughlin went to the Dominic Purcell School of Cowardice. Because <laughs> that is kind of it, and like you have to, like you know, it's that you know, it's it is genuinely enough and a good thing that Charlie exists as openly and explicitly as she does, and yeah, exactly. anything else is sort of salad dressing. And people who act like this is a bad way to do rep are not fucking helping. And I don't like, I don't like it. It's a really and, and you might be like, well, who are you to and um. I don't I, you know what I I don't need to list my pedigree I don't need to list my pedigree I'm comfortable enough uh either you listen to me or you're wrong that's it I mean at this point I think I would like to think if you're listening to us you assume that the things we have to say are worth listening to which by the way thank you um I don't know why nice. but thank Much you appreciated. 
don't I mean I do know why. I do I do think I am grateful that we're not as worried about getting on a podcast network or subscribers or whatever Breaking because money. it does mean that I think I'm a little more honest or a little more blunt or a little bitchier than I might be. Um and I think that's a good thing. Okay, let's should we get into I guess making some other observations about the episode? I mean, here's something like, first is I loved this episode avoided being racist by mostly largely avoided being as racist as we had worried about. I do have to be very specific about that by becoming completely batshit. Um, I love the sentence Genghis Khan's army of scooter riding soldiers decided that they were going to assassinate Prince Charles. It's it's there's not a word I don't like of that sentence. It's very good um legend also tried to have an opinion on the hong kong protests and i'm just like hey shut the fuck up shut up yeah the second ava said that i was like oh hey guys shut the fuck up Uh oh uh oh spaghettios anytime legends face me (laughs) i was just like and we're gonna put that line in a box and never discuss it again i don't understand why we were so against letting prince charles get murdered if we had let Char- Prince, wasn't it 1996 when this episode was happening? That was the other if thing is I, was, let- I had to keep reminding myself that they were in the 90s because like obviously not a lot changed. The interesting thing, the thing I realized and I added you about this, I didn't see if you responded, where like at the start of the episode, Nate's like, oh, motorbikes, that's like a great trans, like, oh, it's just like riding horses. Yes. And like, first off, no, it, no isn't. it isn't. Riding a horse. But also then afterwards, they started using scooters. And I stopped and I went, wait, could they not afford more than one motorbike? Is that why all of the henchmen ended up on scooters? And it's such a god, it, it's such a Venture Brothers kind of moment where it's truly something I could see the Monarch and like Henchman 24 doing that I'm like, <laughs> this is genuinely kind of beautiful. Like there's something very good about how they couldn't afford enough motorbikes. So everyone started riding fucking scooters to go assassinate prince charles with a hell sword they literally call it like i think they literally call it a sword from hell it doesn't even have a name it's just the hell sword and that's so good because it has fuck all relevance to anything about the plot he just has a sword that he got from hell and it's great like legends when legends does shit like that i genuinely truly and unironically love it it is where the show aside from its like interpersonal relationships shines because it just keeps doing things and it doesn't stop doing them. And it does a great job of doing so many crazy things that you are having the time of your fucking life. That I is mean, the show Nate having a scooter and Zari and Ray fighting over who's going to get to ride it. Incredible. Right. John fucking trying not to die and constantly like Ray being like, I'm going to take care of you. And then Ray being like, well, I guess on my bucket list is that I want to marry Nora. And John is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm dying. Literally made a joke about him drinking poison before I realized that he actually did that about two minutes later. And you added me and you were like, oh my God, he actually did. And I was like, wait, holy shit. He actually did do it. Oh my God. Like, it's very, very good. It's so John Constantine does things exclusively for the drama and nothing else. Um, we also just said exclusively for the drama at the same time, which is nice. We haven't done that oh in a couple of days, so Very appreciate good. it. Um, but there's also, also a really famous Hellblazer yeah. story where John basically exact words cheats a demon out of his soul and also gets the demon to cure his lung cancer in the bargain. 
And I think that's what this episode might have been a reference to. And I really liked that. That was fun. That's one of the big I love famous that John was like, Hellboy. I'm going to die. I fucked your mom. And Astra's like, I guess I have to make him, I guess I have to save his life because if I have to hear any more about how he fucked my mom for the rest of eternity when we're both here in hell, I'm going to lose it. Oh, yeah. Um, Ray and Nora are getting married, not next week because it's Super Tuesday, but after Super Tuesday when we have the new episode, um, they are getting married. And I'm assuming that John and Charlie are planning to reenact I Write Since Not Tragedies shot for shot. Can we get Brent? Oh, yeah. Can we get Brendan for this? Can we get Brendan Erie for this? We promised Brendan Erie that Brendan Rath would sleep with him. And he's it is yes. genuinely, I do, I do appreciate that they are also going. Like, I, I mean, because again, the, the next episode also looks insanely batshit and silly, and I'm so excited about that. Um, thank God. Like, it's gonna be like um, Mr. Rogers, I, also, they're getting married, and like, it's great. I just need Martin Stein to kick in the door and be like, if you guys think Damien fucking Dark is marrying Ray and Nora, you're out of your fucking mind. Victor Garber came back for five minutes to do this, and this exclusively. I should be so lucky. We should all be so lucky. I just, I mean, I'm just gonna, and then I think they're, because the synopsis for the Shakespeare episode is that, like, Ray and Nate have a fundamental disagreement where I'm like, oh, he wants to leave with Nora, and Nate is like, I thought you were just marrying Nora as a friend. What does that even mean, Nathaniel? What does that even mean? That's that talk that Nate and Bayrod had where Nate is like, you're a hot piece of ass. If you were a girl. I was like, when we talk about queer coding, where I'm like, that also counts. Because yes, it's very like silly haha, but like it's the it's the show basically looking us dead in the eye and going, We are trying. Um, Starwipe. And I'm saying Starwipe because we have essentially decided to transition into the last part of the episode four days after we started recording the first part. And boy, has has life happened? Uh, if you'll recall, we opened the episode saying that this was the dumbest bitch in the world show because I was going to meet Nick Zano instead of Tom Nook, and I I did. And um, wow, life comes at you fast, you know. Can't believe he bullied you for being short. Yeah, Nick Zano physically. <laughs> Nick Zano bullied me for being short. And I'm not saying that I bullied Nick Zano for everything else or continue to do so, but. <laughs> me i die for you brandon i would never let you do that nick you will except i would never say that to either of them because they are no. white men no no never they're not worth it but like the idea like it's just like that is awfully bold of you nicholas oh very... i also i figured out God. what the title of the episode should be okay because we, we were sort of going boy that genghis khan had some pretty great ideas but it came to me like a strike of lightning uh, that the episode should just logically be called uh, Tits Out for Charlie. Uh, and let me explain why. Okay, I'm not feeling it. But, because but, uh, in the episode, Zari is wearing her tiny little tank top. And uh, I guess seeing that Charlie is now paying attention to her and wanting Charlie's affection for himself, Bayred also decides to change into a rather low-cut tank top. And so the two of them are just Maybe. wandering around, titties out. I, for Charlie. I, thought he was, I thought he was just wearing his t-shirt the whole time. No, he wears, um, when they changed for the 90s, he's wearing like a wife beater under a red plaid jacket. And like, he's got a decent amount of chest hair. It's quite nice. Uh, all right, fair enough. If you want to, I, 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 
Here, let I me show know. you. Kind of, it feels kind of crude. But, okay, I then mean, we'll just I keep it with Genghis. We'll just keep out. We'll just keep it with the Genghis I am, I am saying that in the context of like, listen, we've. I think discourse out for Charlie could also be really good because a lot of this episode has been like. I know part of the reason we took a break was, um, yeah, I didn't realize. Oh God, Zari's Zari's nineties episode, nineties outfit is wild. I didn't realize, um, or didn't remember, I guess. But uh, a lot of the first first three quarters of the episode, I guess, were us like discoursing and i remember like part of the reason we kind of stopped and took a break for a few days was just because we were like uh you know how much of it do we really want to how much of it do we really want to bring up how much of it is necessary how much of it is just like you know so i feel like that also could work and i guess you'll find out when you're listening to the episode and we'll see what and you'll i'll have cut some stuff and uh i'll have not cut some stuff and you'll never know yeah well i, I the thing is i'm 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 assuming that a decent chunk of the just of course, here's the thing is we are, I know we say this a lot, but we are going to try to get a Patreon set up, you know, just like a simple one for, you know, cut content, maybe Q and A's. Um, that's, that's actually something where if you're interested in the show and for some reason, a lot of people are, which like, thank you. But if you're interested in the show and there's something you think you'd want to see from us doing like a Patreon page, uh, let us know in Rachel's inbox anonymously or not anonymously. I always love hearing about what wild add-ons Rachel gets. Um, and speaking yeah, of wild add-ons, I mean, oh, I guess problems? we should really, we should really just go into what the fuck happened to me this weekend, and then we'll end the episode. Yes, go for it. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I met Nick Zano for a second time. Thank God he did not remember me from the first time. But in all fairness, I'm not really sure how much Nick Zano is capable of remembering. Yeah, it's an object permanence thing where I'm like, oh god. Because when we I went to know. do the photo op and my friend Connor was sort of a leader Rory, even though we haven't really seen the character yet. And then the actress, Mina Sundwell, one of her like fan Instagram accounts DM'd Connor and was like, hey, do you know anything else about this character? Awesome. She just sent that to me at like 6 a.m. this morning because she has to get up really early for her job and it just said, Kill Bill Sirens. Christ. But the best part about uh, Connor showing up is Lita, who I keep calling Makoto Rory, by the way. I keep I keep wanting to say Alita, like like Battle Angel, like mm-hmm. Alita, so I'm like I keep I keep tripping myself, but yeah, the the Makoto thing is also very I get you. It's difficult. You know, and and if you're listening and you're a little confused, um, Makoto is Sailor Jupiter's name in the original manga and anime, and Lita is the name they give her in the dub. So my brain just automatically yeah. corrects it. That all of our, our listeners are like up to date on like stuff. Sorry, my bad. That's on me. My um, my brain. But no, I'm so glad. I love also that like you guys do cosplay to go to these things because it is. Like, I think it's something where there are certain, certain times where I feel like, pre- like, actors and writers and stuff are maybe less phased by costumes mm-hmm. or not. But, like, it's kind of something where I think maybe they're not expecting that people are going to cosplay this show. So everybody always seems so excited about your costumes, and it's really sweet. And I'm always glad that people are really excited about what you make, because I know you work hard on it. Thank you. Um... See, I made the Zari skirt myself, and then the DCTV fashion blog 
sent they were like oh here's the original skirt and they sent that to me like saturday night and i went to the con on sunday and i was like well thank you i appreciate it but also it was an alice and olivia skirt and i think their maximum waist size is like 31 i'm sorry 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 the show can afford alice and olivia a lot of zari's clothes are actually alice and olivia exclusively where i'm very very confused yeah, um, is Tala what what kind of sway does Tala have over the wardrobe department? Because that shit ain't cheap. I'm very impressed. Like genuinely good for her. <laughs> I mean, I I'm also assuming that they're off the rack, Alice and Olivia. It's not stuff that's been yes, like, it off is the rack. all completely. It's all off the rack. But like that skirt was originally like three hundred dollars. Yeah, not to say off of the rack in this case is like bargain basement, but. It is still genuinely a little surprising. I got, I got, I got to give that that one to him. I guess I'm not used to giving Here, them let anything. Me, let me actually go to the actual website. I'm like, thank God, DCT fa- DCTV fashion blog, you're doing God's work. Yeah, originally the skirt was three hundred thirty dollars. It is now on Nordstrom Rack for I think one hundred nineteen. But the largest size I have, of course, is a twelve. And if you want to look at sizing. If we want to see how fucking sizing works in this, that's just like, I can't, I can't even, yeah, not even a little bit. It's And like the largest size for the dress that Zari has, the one that she wears to the event, I'm going to have to make that from scratch as well, because the largest bust size on that is 39 inches. Adorable. I'm almost two of those. I want to be where the people are. I genuinely, I mean, like, not even, like, I mean, like, it's one of those things where I thought I just, like, envied that because I wanted to be skinny, and then I got older and I realized it was just because I was trans. But there is still a part of me that's genuinely, like, what does your body have to be to fit into that? Like, I just, I can't even fathom, like, thinness. I've never been thin, ever. Like, it just isn't, even before puberty, it's so fucking weird to me. Um... But that is not what this podcast is about. Anyway, um, I mean, I really do kind of love, yeah, uh, that is, I mean, like, I just genuinely, it is something where it's like, I'm kind of, I'm genuinely glad they're investing a lot into her wardrobe specifically because new Zari, one of the things I do, I mean, we've only had a few episodes, but her, here's the thing is I get a little, like, exhausted by, like, a dorkable kind of, like, grungy gamer girl aesthetic in TV. Because it's, like, most most people I know who are actually doing that are, are, like, way less fucking effort. Like, it's too twee to feel, like, realistic. So the flannel and the... the it felt like a little... Zara, I mean, like, Zari and Tala, by extension, looks cute. But this feels like stuff that Tala actually wants to wear and enjoys wearing. And there's a sort of, like, confident vibe to it that she has while she's wearing it that I think is kind of infused the character well that's actually very funny because tala personally actually has said the stuff isn't super comfortable i'm more of a casual person but i actually so here's the thing about uh, nick fucking xano legal name um i he was like uh he took a selfie of my cosplay he really loved that i was zari 2.0 and actually the word he used specifically was appreciate where i was like don't fucking patronize me <laughs> um and I, I sort of tried talking to him about it where I was like, I felt bad that Tala seemed like apologetic about it. Where he's like, well, she oh, really God. loved 
Zari. Oh, oh, Nick. No, I said I said that that she seemed apologetic, and he said, "Well, she really loved Zari." No, not you. I just know because I remember because you told me this when he was. And it's so like rare for us to have a female character like smart and like sarcastic and like really powerful. And I'm literally standing there, just thinking in my head, "Are you trying to fucking talk to me about strong female characters?" Like that. Like I. You're gonna. No, 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 no. Please, please. Amuse me, please. No, continue. By all means, like there is something so goddamn funny to me about that, where it's just like, oh Jesus H fucking Christ. I mean, on one level, I'm genuinely kind of touched that he is like putting in the effort and trying. On another level, it is also profoundly funny to me, um, because it is just so like, I love you, but this is so silly. But and, also, I, mean, I, I sort of, and then, so what I, and so then, and so, but, 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 but here's where it really, and here's where it really and truly went off the rails. Oh boy. Okay. Um, when I said, I sort of was like, I mean, in my head, I was just like, is this little meatball trying to talk to me about women? And so my brain just went, but I, so I sort of interrupted him and I was like, but I love that Zari like is still really smart. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, when she was reading that book and like knew that history and Nate was like, oh my God, you're a smart woman. I've needed a smart woman for so long. I've been walking into automatic doors ever since Amaya left. And, and I think, I think possibly beating out, you're so funny. You should have a show. Nick Zano looks me in the eyes and he says, what is that from? And I thought he meant like, oh, what are you referencing? I thought he knew I was like, Dude, references aren't funny. Doing a bit. Like that's, 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 that's so goddamn painful. And I, mean, I said, not- I said, I'm not, I'm, I, I mean like, I'm not, I meant like, it's like what I think Nate would be thinking. And he goes, oh, that's so funny. Like he said, that's really funny. I thought that's something I said in an episode. Okay, first off, I hate him. Second off, I gotta say, I think there's just genuinely a part of me that is like, on one level, I'm relieved because this means that he is not looking at your blog, because if he was, he would have known. But I I sometimes, I, I overestimate how much other people can't, and I don't mean this in like a mean way, but it's like our ability to be funny sort of on command and you know, without a lot of prompting, is apparently not very common. I mean, apparently, like, we're completely one hundred percent right about Nate Haywood. Yeah, which is nice. There's, you know, there is something kind of comforting to like the fact that, like, oh no, it's fine. Like we are actually, like we are really funny. That's good. Um, it's definitely. Here's the thing: is it's it's funnier then but it is it's not as i think it doesn't have the same threatening aura as you guys should have your own show because no, that's, it really doesn't and and i guess it's and not. like i think i blacked out i truly think i blacked the fuck out um and also here's the thing about taking selfies is that like i only paid for a selfie with nick but connor got a bunch with other people and normally it's kind of like a informal photo op where they stand with you in front of their table or maybe they're sitting and someone else takes the photo but Nick Zano gets up, wraps his arm around you, and is like, I'll take it. And oh, then he no. goes, is your background also Tala? And I was like, it's Tala and Macy. And in my head, I'm like, I have a job. I'm not following you around. Don't take that tone with me. You need me. 
You <laughs> need me. As, as 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 half of DC's one half of DC's only PR duo, you fucking you people need us. Like we I was gonna make the one of the guys, one of the one of the one of the people I'm currently sort of flirting with, who I know listens to this podcast. Hey, um, is someone I'm getting convinced to watch Legends of Tomorrow, so that definitely counts. Um, and also the fact that you guys don't know how to do PR. Um, I got my degree in this. So we're doing the most. Don't don't patronize me. So like what was he expecting your phone background to be? Like what? What? My husband? I guess like I I guess like I'm just like right. Normal people have like background photos of like their like dogs or like their boyfriends or some shit, which is like I guess um your phone background is what you love the most. That's why mine is Tala and Maisie cuddling. Yeah, mine is uh, Jolene Cujo on my home, on my lock screen and all of the legendary Pokemon on my home screen. So I think that's a pretty actually fair summary of myself as a person. Um, um, I, I ordered some on-sale Dolls Kill stuff for Jolene because I had so much like weird 90s butterfly stuff. Yeah, there's like a ton of rave shit. It's fine. Um, I'm going to have to do... I, I'll worry about it later. Um... Because I'm, yeah, there's, there's, oh god, that I'm gonna have to breathe that fucking way. Um, I actually got, (laughs) I got off of Etsy, someone is selling like a PDF booklet on how to do it. And I saw the wig that they made and it looks good, so I got the booklet. They have high ratings. Thank you. Um, that'll be good. I, I need, no, wait, did I tell you how Matt Ryan and I made fun of Nick Zano specifically? Oh, I don't think so. So fill me in. I'm all ears. Oh, because uh, Matt Ryan, first of all, I love actor. I love that actors are stupid. And I mean this in the fondest way possible. I love that you guys are dumb. I don't ever want this to change. And so Matt Ryan apparently kept breaking his markers. And like over at Nick's table, he has like 300 fucking markers. And I'm like, you think Nick should, sh-? I'm like, you just take some, you should, Nick should share his markers. You should take some of his. And Matt Ryan is like, yeah. And I'm like, you think that someone who campaigned for Bernie Sanders would be a little more egalitarian with his markers. <laughs> Christ. And Matt Ryan thought this was very funny. Christ. I mean, I am, that was actually the first thought where I was like, I'm sorry. Socialism means you share the Sharpie, Nicholas. Um, also, I'm Red. just like, I, also, I think. We're we're moving on. How I have never broken a sharpie in my life. How do you? How did I? I don't. I didn't. How do you manage to keep not only to do it once, but to keep doing it? Some people are just talented. Yes, but like Jesus, like impressed, but also concerned. And it was truly. I mean, and then of course we had the part where I told ship with Ray. I love how Ray is like, I'm going to get married. And John is like, I'm going to kill myself. Because we have to do it for the drama. The drama. And Matt was like, I I love that as well. I mean, I think it's kind of a shame that Ray's leaving. And I was trying to be like, well, you know, Cess Lavi. And he, I just go, well, you know, that's life. And he just goes, I'm like, because here's the thing about Matt Ryan, is that everybody who has ever met him has been very clear that he is infamous for not shutting up about things that are going to happen on the show. Never. And he just goes, he'll be back. And I'm like, 
I mean, I know he probably won't be back for the finale this season, but like you and I have both been saying like, well, because what I had tried very hard not to say to Matt when he said, you know, it's a shame Brandon left is, oh, he's a white guy on the CW. He'll be fine. That's what I tried very hard not to say. Yeah. Because that might come off as insensitive. Where I'm like, yes, I know he'll be back. <laughs> Matt Ryan, he'll be back. Me, I'm smarter than you. Matt Ryan just, doesn't deserve that. Here's Nick Zano over here making fun of me because I'm the fucking tiniest because I am thumbelina size to him. I'm like, if Brandon himself was not like, this is a very small person, what is your excuse? <laughs> is it just the disrespect I am forced to deal with on a daily basis? I posted on, I posted that I was going to hit him with a two by four in the Denny's parking lot. And then somebody said, isn't hitting someone with a two by four in the parking lot just in New Jersey? Hello. And I'm going to, I feel like I should say, well, kind of, but New Jersey has actual diners. So it's hitting somebody with a two by four in an actual diner parking lot. Yes, but we used to have a Denny's right over by where I live, where there's there was a place called Pudgy's Pizza that we used to get pizza from when I lived in my old house as a kid. And um, the AC Moore was there in the Burlington Cheese Coat Factory. And <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's so fucking good. It's, um, did you see that fucking tweet about like Cheesecake Factory? It's just Applebee's that knows how to dress because I really cannot stop thinking about it. Um, I first of all, how dare you? Applebee's will never be her applebee's will never fucking the the (laughs) style cheesecake factory has the enormous the war and peace that is the cheesecake factory menu as my father once said i will say i think the thing is is like fundamentally the big difference is is no teenager goes to applebee's like they are dressing for the met gala and every single teenager i've ever seen at the cheesecake factory looks like they're dressing for the met gala so on that level alone, there's no competition. No question. Um, Foolish. That being said, I completely lost my train of thought. I love that, like, it is apparently that Matt Ryan is just enjoying bullying the shit out of Nick <laughs> it's so Oh, excitingly, um, uh, oh, Billy what? Zane wanted to be on Legends just because he enjoys the show so much. Right, we were to, oh my god, so good. Where it's just like, I love, I mean, like, it's kind of, I mean, on one level, I'm surprised because, like, oh, really? But, like, also, I love when actors do that. Like, when they're just like, I'm just on this thing because I'm, like, having a good time. Like, it's it's very, there's something very sweet about it. And, you know, it's usually, like, this relatively big name actor on, like, a small indie production. They're just like, well, I like the content of the, the you know, that they're putting out. I'm oh, and he and Nick Van are, of course, close personal friends. Of course they are. Um... I genuinely kind of love that. I would love to see if they would even, like, if he's still interested and enthusiastic, I am kind of like, maybe not this season, but, like, bring him back next season. Like, that, you know, I I don't think anyone's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, you can get away with having him be, like, another villain that isn't P.T. Barnum. And actually, speaking of kind of people who I'm almost surprised haven't cameoed on Legends, I feel like Patton Mm -hmm. Oswalt, like... Pat was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so many times that I feel like he thinks it would be a betrayal. That's fair. But I mean, like, that that also predicates on, that, that's that's predicated on the belief that anyone's going to remember anything that happened on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, which, I all I can tell you is uh, endless TV static. So, there's that. But, I will um, not. No, never. Um, 
I refuse to remember actively. My brain, my brain takes joy in shutting it out. We have. Hey, remember how we started this? The, the point was to get away from fucking Dan. We were gonna talk about the episode and how we haven't done that. Um, God damn it! I, I do. Recall, I, mean, technically- I mean, we were just kind of trying to tie up because I think we kind of talked about everything we wanted to talk about. We were just trying to tie stuff. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that when Nate is talking to Bayrat about hooking up with Charlie. He says, did she shapeshift? Yes. We talked about it briefly, but it is, like, it's one of those things where it's like, this is what I mean by, like, it's not, like, he doesn't, he does the, oh, yeah, if you were a woman, I would have sex with you bit. But, like, it was so... Sarcastic. It was so, it was one of those things where it's like, because of everything you said before then, I can tell that it's kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing where they're like, you know, we're we're saying this about as blatantly as we can say it. Um. Because he doesn't specify, like, it's like, it would have been so easy for him to write a line of, like, oh, like, she can shapeshift into anybody, like, uh, Pamela Anderson circa 1997. Like, that kind of, like, dude bro-y kind of, like, like, a very heterosexual way of joking about it. But he's, like, she can shapeshift into whoever, right? And, like, doesn't specify gender. So it's kind of, like, listen. Well, he also just says shapeshift, where I'm almost, like, are you talking about her genitals are you talking about number of boobs yeah like it's like the 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 amount of possibilities it leaves open is kind of fantastic i wonder how billy's picnic is going can she (laughs) shapeshift into a maya and everybody's just 20 full minutes i mean technically warner brothers owns hannah barbera so we can get charlie shapeshifted as yogi bear um (laughs) Ooh, I don't like I don't like how that feels. I don't like how it feels in my mouth. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Oh god, I didn't even mean that in that context. I thought we were just doing cartoon bit. Um, oh no, we are. We are. I just said in my mouth. Are. I don't know why I said my mouth. I don't know I why. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you brought up the bear reference. I just I understand that she's the diametric opposite of what a bear looks like, but like No, no, I brought up the Billy and Mandy episode reference. I heard it and I respected it. Has Yogi Bear in it, and, and it does it. have it does inexplicably have Yogi Bear in it. Well, because it was a Cartoon Network show, and again, Cartoon Network is owned by Warner. But like, it's like it's it's like, hey, uh, fun fun thought. A lot of our media is owned by a couple of large corporate conglomerates. <laughs> it's how they got Johnny Quest on the Venture Brothers, but they have to call him Action Johnny because Hanna Barbera was like, listen. Too close, my guy. Too close. Well, no, because they got Race Bannon in the first seasons. I I have the big Venture Brothers, like the, the making of books somewhere on this fucking shelf. I still have. Um, that or I brought I might have brought it up to your house. I don't remember because I, I know I wanted you to look at it, but I remember because Doc and Jackson were talking in season one how they got Race Bannon, like the actual Race Bannon. They did not think that they were going to get Race Bannon, but Hannah Barbera was like, sure, whatever. So they were cool with them getting Race Bannon, who was like a like the side character on Johnny Quest. But I think like the J- like Johnny Quest was too quote close, which is wild because then they did that shit again for sc- the Scoobies, and then like then they had the actual fuck. Then they eventually they just went whatever. You guys can use the actual Scooby Doo characters, and it's like what in the fuck is happening? But it it's fun too because it adds like layers of like. You know, you end up with that, with the implication being like, oh, there's a real Scooby-Doo, like, group out there. These people are just, like, so fucking deranged that they're impersonating the actual real-life Scooby-Doo people who do exist in this instance. Which makes an already kind of really dark and grim episode. Hi, I didn't even know you were in here, kitty cat. Um, way more grim and interesting. So that's fun. 
It really, it really does. I mean, everything. I'm also like, <laughs> listen, if, if we're all Warner Brothers, then can can the Venture Brothers get Brandon to do a voice? Please, I would absolutely love it. Um, can Doc and Jackson handle being in the same room as him for more? God no. I said I'm a homosexual um, it, having a panic attack. Mood tonight. Uh, oh god. Um. Also, Travis McElroy found it extremely funny that uh, the Legends cast cannot keep secrets at all either. Yeah. He was very, he was very into, he was like, oh, I talked to Nick. Everybody loves Nick. And I was like, say that to me again, Travis McElroy. Say that again to my fucking face. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus. Of 20 years I mean, I've known you. 20 years I've known you. Now you don't want to see me jump out of the cake. You disgust me. But like, um, that being said i do i'm just like i'm like i just i don't i don't even think they bother like d- like telling them not to say shit because it's just like that would be that that i don't even know if it's worth the effort of being like no don't well remember uh, at the end of season three when they were posting episode pictures from like the finale and you could clearly see who was gonna get what totem where you're like ah of course so i completely forget what's happening next week um, wait, no, next week, uh, Dark Adam is getting married in the greatest act of homophobia to ever exist. I mean, I, I just, Nate is gonna be just, like, sweat, he is gonna have three barbells in each arm and just be fucking curling frantically. The rage, the grief. <laughs> well, because then Brandon leaves the, they don't leave the wedding episode, they leave the web episode after that, where it's like, uh, Nate and Ray have a disagreement about the future or something where it's just like, yes, two platonic men have a completely platonic disagreement about the fact. I thought you were marrying her in a best friend's way. I just, I, I, I and it's so, it's, it's just, guys, it is such a fucking, like, the future? Like, are you for real? Like, it is truly, they are the, that fucking bit in Scrubs. Maybe someday he'll love me like that. Like, God damn it, guys. Nate's just gonna move in with them. Like, it's gonna be one of those things where it's like, Ray and Nora can be married all they want, but that doesn't mean that Nate and Ray can't also be married as far as Nate is concerned. And I love that. Um, also love if if it's gonna be Ray and Nate having an argument, and then it's like Bayrod and Nate like hanging out and having wistful longing between two bros. Cause, hell yeah. Wistful longing between two bros. Always the good shit. I mean, Charlie and John also look fairly... T- I'm just like, this is not an ideal thing to do. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, listen, I genuinely, from a Meta perspective, I think it's really cute that, be- that Brandon gets to marry his wife again on TV. Like, that's... that's cute. Well, and I think it's very cute that that's what they chose to do, knowing that Courtney and Brandon were leaving. Because, like, for example, on um, Gotham... Knowing for the very last episode, which is written by Ben McKenzie, um, Jim marries Lee. And Ben and Morena are married in real life. Where it's like, I the only kind of men I respect are the men who are like, have you met my beautiful wife? Yes. It's genuinely like really cute. Because it's like, all right, fine, I'll give you this. But it is also funny that in show that nobody wants this to be happening. <laughs> Dying of gay jealousy. 
And like, the thing is, is like, this is not to harp, but I'm like, this is where we need Mona back because I want to see her torn between her. I love weddings. I love love. Yay. And like, <laughs> Nora's marrying Ray. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm, I'm happy I'm for them. I'm fine. I'm fine with this. I've broken three, uh, three glasses in the past 10 minutes while I'm trying to pour my fucking wine and I'm fine with this. She's like half wolfy, half. Honestly, she looks so good in that fucking, um, in that fucking, in the promo outfits she did for that. She's a Netflix, we need a city style show starring her, where she's sort of the Carrie Bradshaw character, because she's the writer, taking over the Rebecca Silver title, and she's navigating love and sex and life. And being a werewolf. Kyle McLaughlin is there. Um, Kyle McLaughlin is there and he is going to get circumcised. This is a plot point. That and the I'm single-handedly going to fix the MTA are like the only two things I know about Sex and the City. It was a little before my time. Um, That's the only things you need to know. Well, um, Chris Noth plays Mr. Big, who is like the rich guy that like is on again, off again with Carrie. And I guess has to like learn to be a big person, good person or something. The whole crux of the Sex and the yeah. City movie is that he is sort of like waiting in the car instead of coming out to get married because Carrie made the wedding too big and he got anxious. And so she breaks up with him and then they get back together and do get married. Where I was like, this is an incredibly stupid premise, but God, the outfits. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be level with you. If you start your movie with characters not deciding not to get married, I'm going to be really confused if they end up getting back together because I'm kind of like, if you're that indecisive, maybe you shouldn't. Um, I just, I feel like this, this, this happens a lot. Like sometimes I watch romance and I mean, I love romance. I genuinely love reading romance novels. Um, I love the genre. I, all of the stuff I write is romance oriented, but then I like watching a heterosexual romance thing. And I'm just without fail every time I am so baffled by what is considered normal courtship rituals. Like, what are the fuck are you people doing? Y'all live like this? Single-handedly fixing the MTA. I mean, that's that's fair. Um, I want to see, see, I want to see that reboot of Sex and City where they just, like, go, fuck it, we're gonna fully legally blonde this, and they just have fucking uh, Carrie and Samantha run for president. Oh, sorry, Kenny. Or whoever the hell, I don't, I don't know their names. <laughs> that would, that would be fun. Um, honestly, Legally Blonde 3, where Elle Woods runs for president, would also have been. I feel like we missed the zeitgeist on that one. Yeah, um, now it's not, now it's not as funny as it would have been. Oh, we, we, we really did. There were a lot of those, like, weird mid-2000s, like, you know, you had, like, Miss Congeniality, you had Legally Blonde, you had the Sex and the City movie. Um, which is um, kind of interesting. But my whole point about Mr. Big is that he's kind of significantly, like, oh, significantly what? older than Carrie. So I'm trying to figure out what Nora's Mr. Big name would be. Oh, oh okay. Fair enough. Um, I know you. <laughs> god damn it. Oh, god. Um, I was actually going to say, I'm going to tie this back into Legends and say that, honestly, Zari gives me those same vibes. And that's yeah. kind of, I think, the... I don't think they're doing it deliberately, but it is kind of the unintended consequence of leaning in so hard with making her basically Paris Hilton, but like with the Kardashian style empire, because then that just means that she's really business savvy, but also like 
sort of early 2000s celebrity where I'm like, oh, okay, this is just, this is just whatever the hell Sandra Bullock was when doing. Is, when is she going to be in a, in Revo Where, where is the episode where they parody that shot for shot because Zari is in it? Yeah, fucking fuck, might as well. You guys are totally cool doing it for Carrie. You might as fucking well. Um, you can actually get the cast of Repo the Genetic Opera to show up, I assure you. I, here's the thing, is Paul Servino <laughs> Paul Servino has nothing but time on his hands. Sarah Brightman might be, a, might be, might be slightly harder, but everybody else like, everybody else in that was like, these are people who you can pay like 10 bucks and they'll show up. I, I think my favorite thing about that movie is it was like $28 million to make would not have existed if Paris Hilton wasn't like funding it and providing most of the wardrobe for the extras. And then it made $17,000. Um, are you, are you messaging someone? Cause I can just hear it. Oh, I didn't realize you could hear the beeps. Hold on. I will, I will turn them off. Beep, beep. Um, I didn't realize because they just I, I'm not even I guess maybe the one of my group chats is going I turned them back on because I kept not getting your messages so I, I guess yeah, I will have to yeah, we I, I am kin with this no I'll turn I'll turn them I'll turn them back on again when we're done but um yeah no I mean that's the thing is I'm genuinely I know we say this a lot and I don't want to beat a dead horse but there's a lot of layers to Zari's character that like obviously I think she had a lot of layers in her original characterization but there is something that's kind of satisfying about how this is the version of Zari that got to be happy. Like she's struggling with a lot now, like in terms of her family relationships and stuff, but fundamentally she has family to struggle for and with like, she might feel like they don't care, but they're also like, or she might be worried that, you know, she's not like this or that to them. But like, again, they're alive for her to worry about that and have those conversations with and have those feelings for. And it's, Hold on. Doing so well. Um, and it's just genuinely really sweet to see that this is like the happy version of Zari and see how much remains intact about her personality and how smart she is and how cunning she is and how those are not traits that resulted from trauma, which is in and of itself kind of more empowering. I mean, like, I think basing arguments like this around the idea of what's mm -hmm. empowering, quote unquote, can be kind of stupid. But there is something nice to the idea that, like, it's who you are and your good qualities are not necessarily born out of the worst experiences that have happened to you. Yes. I mean, your resilience is a good thing. And being able to maintain your best qualities in, in, this, in spite of all the horrible things that might happen to you is obviously something to be lauded. But... You know, there's something where I know we talk sometimes about like how this show does wish fulfillment for abuse that we might not necessarily agree with. And obviously Zari wasn't like abused by her parents. It's not that kind of trauma. But like, even though I think it's important in the real world to consider that like who you are is important and you've been made, you know, you're you you aren't like broken or damaged because of your trauma or anything on a fantasy level. There is something kind of comforting because like obviously in the real world, you can never know what you would have been like without the bad thing happening to you. But yeah. in a TV show, you can see that. And there is something kind of sweet and 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 I affirming, I guess, about like, yeah. hey, you would still be a pretty cool version of you, even if the bad thing hadn't happened. Not only would you be a cool version of you, and I know I talked earlier I'm glad that Zari and Charlie were just like instant friends, and we talked about how we loved that trope. But it's like, not only are you a cooler version of you, but like everybody you like still really likes you and you actually 
kind of got to be friends with them faster, which is nice. Yes, like you were able to do better in terms of like, not that these people didn't love you before, but you were able to sort of, you weren't as closed off. You were more willing to accept their affection. And like, again, it's important to realize in real life that the people who love you still love you and all that. But like, when we talk about fantasies for like abused and traumatized people that might not necessarily be reasonable in a in a real life context like that's what fiction is for is to get the chance to explore yeah. these things like it does matter um isn't that isn't that an, a softer world comic like i'm gonna come up back with like bluer eyes or something like that no i have a lot of softer world comics um saved because someone i cared about very much uh sent me them a lot so i will have to go look there's a lot of really good softer world comics out there yeah um, that's true that's that's genuinely yeah that that's true so a softer world rips all right if there's anything i can do or any any this weekend if you kind of want to show me how you edit stuff so i can maybe edit half of it or something i can try to do it okay Uh, i think that's a great idea yes if we have time this weekend but uh yeah in any case uh love you talk to you later love you too all right good night later bye bye good night listeners good night listeners